book of Philemon is a very short book. The shortest of Paul's writings. It's a book that was a letter to a brother. Many believe that the brother Philemon was a minister. Many believe that he was just a brother, so to speak. I don't see putting one before another or one greater than another. Jesus said, let he that is greatest among you be your servant. In the eyes of God, everyone He gave the Son, and everyone the Son died for, everyone the Son gives life, is in the same equal standing with God. There will be no levels and glory. We'll all be beneath, yet equal to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. But we do appreciate prayer. Paul begins this text to Philemon. Philemon, you're going to see as we go through here, was a man that was apparently fairly wealthy. He had a slave, at least one. Some say, well, he was a servant. I believe by the text he was a slave. And if the Lord keeps it in my mind, we will prove that as we go through. I don't approve of slavery. Deuteronomy, I believe chapter 31, we find pinned in there that by the Holy Spirit of God, if, if, if any man comes across or upon one who has left his master being a slave, he is not to return him to his master. That is a profound statement in the law about slavery. But nonetheless, slavery has existed since man was able to take power over another. In this nation, we hear about the African slaves so much. My two kinfolk, the first to come to this country from England, were sent here as slaves for killing a deer in a king's forest. They were too young to be put to death, so they sent them here as slaves. When they got close enough in the bay... Jonathan Winslet jumped off the boat and was never seen or heard from again, swam to the shore and was gone. That would have probably been me. And Samuel served an apprenticeship under a man and was eventually freed from that and came south, buried in Alabama. Um, I say that to make the point, it's not one race that's been enslaved. Now we see Scripture fulfilled with slavery. We see Ham and his seed Canaan and Noah's curse upon him, a servant, servant should he be. And we see that by the Africans themselves capturing and making slaves their own people, a descendant of Ham. The Bible is true. But the point about slavery I'm making is some people have, and I'm not up here to talk about slavery, this is just a fact I'm bringing out because it's been on my mind, with this, every race of people have been slaves. From slaves to work in fields to slaves who were slaves with their body to their masters, if you know what I'm getting at. Uh, children slaves. They still are today. White slavery. This is a fact of life, but the Bible is not condoning slavery. The Holy Spirit said, if you're in bondage, do not seek to be loosed. 
All the Scripture is saying with that is be content where you are because God is with you and Christ is with you. Don't confuse yourself with the thought that if you're a slave, you're meant to be a slave, our bondage is to Christ. And we are to whatever shape or condition we are in, serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we find Paul beginning the text, Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If you remember going through the Ephesian letter, Paul said he was a prisoner of Christ Jesus in one context. He's a prisoner because he's under the bondage of Christ. He's been bound by the Holy Spirit to Christ. He's been regenerated. He's been born again through Christ. And he's in bondage. He cannot get away. He does not want to get away. Paul being a great example of the man who was persecuting the church of God, imprisoning them, separating families, and even putting some to death by his own word against them. Don't tell me that we have gained eternal life of our own works. Paul is a perfect example. Struck down on the road to Damascus. First words, what wilt thou have me to do, Lord? This man whom he persecuted, he now calls Lord, and I dare say, in fear and trembling. But in this text, Paul is a prisoner in Rome. I believe this is his first imprisonment in Rome for preaching the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's preached the Gospel. He's taught the Word to God's children. And even though he is in bondage, he's under house arrest. Now you think about the providence of God as we go through this. And you think about the love of God. And you think about how we see things and things happen. And we sometimes don't understand or it may offend us. But down the road, God may have had a purpose in that. God always takes our sin of a child of God and does away with it. God took death and makes it life. Okay, God can take something that we view was an offense or something against the law of God or something wrong and make it prosper down the road at his time. Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we can see an example of the power of God in his Christ, this man, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the stock of Abraham, Hebrew, This man who justified himself by the keeping of the law profited in the Jews' religion making money, having fame, having what he deemed his glory, and Christ struck him down on 
his knees. As I was reading this I, I, uh, all week long, it always comes to my mind in the walks I've had in life, how men, especially southern men, have always deemed themselves to be strong and mighty and will not lose and will fight to the death. Nothing can move us. Nothing can change us. This great tall stature of a man. Come at him with force. He stands against you. But brethren, love conquers the heart. God is love. He that loveth is born of God. Consider that. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, Acts 16, Timothy, mother was a Jew who believed. His father was great. Paul circumcised him to have the Jews content to satisfy a point of their law. Although it meant nothing and profited nothing, Paul did this in brilliance to keep from their fighting against the Gospel being preached. Paul did that to appease them that the Gospel could be furthered and prospered as they went forth preaching. Timothy, a minister, and a young minister when he wrote the books of Timothy. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. What does that mean? That's not flesh, that's spiritual. He's born of the Spirit of God. What does that tell us? That tells us He was chosen of God before the foundation of the world, that when the time that it pleased God the Son, that He quickened Him for His purpose and sent Him forth in the service of God to preach the Gospel and feed the flock of God. There is the love of God manifested to us through the preaching of the Gospel. He gives you life. He writes His law upon your heart. The testimony of God, Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory and sends ministers to feed the flock of God which by His grace are assembled in the church of God in this world. This is Paul. This is Timothy, our brother. He's our spiritual brother. Unto Philemon, our dearly beloved. I've read every theologian I had access to this week from days before who were of the true faith and doctrine. To see their thoughts on these points. I have mine own. I'm going to stick to my own. Some of them will agree with what some said. Some probably might not. But, Philemon, I do believe, was a minister. Some say he was just a brother. Philemon was a man that loved the church. What does that tell us? He that loveth is born of God. That's not he that loves Ishmael loving his camel. That's not uh, a man loving the things of the world. That's not the type of love being spoken of. The type of love being spoken of 
It's what's called agape love, which is a brotherly love. I love God because He first loved me. Christ is my elder brother and I love Him in the Spirit. He's my elder brother. I'm a Gentile. I had no claim of an Israelite. Yet He is my brother before me, the first begotten from the dead. Philemon was very generous to the church. With these theologians, we see them talking. One reason that they do not believe that Philemon was a minister, or some even doubted him being a child of God, in the church rather, because he had a slave. Slavery was legal. The area they were from, they were very harsh on slaves who escaped and slaves who left, which is one reason for the letter being written and sent to justify this brother Onesimus both to Philemon and to Philemon's actions which would come from this letter to this dear brother who had left who was a slave. Because Christ taught us to do unto others as we would have others to do unto us and to love. The greatest commandment of all, to love, to love. Greater love hath no man than this, to lay down his life for his brother. Now, Paul is writing as a prisoner of Christ. He's imprisoned under house arrest. God blessed him even under house arrest. He could not leave, but yet he could receive all who came unto him. He was being persecuted for preaching the Word of God, the New Testament epistles being written by His hand, those that He wrote. He was under house arrest and persecution. Yet through that, God blessed Him to be able to further the Gospel by people coming to Him. Why did people come to Him? To hear the Gospel. Because they hungered and thirsted after righteousness. Because they were born of the Spirit of God. It's not because they chose to. I read one text from one of these new dictionaries last night, I believe about midnight or so, and the guy was saying that that, uh, Philemon had received the Lord and that Onesimus had accepted Jesus. The Spirit of God and it alone gives you life. Christ brought you to God in His finished work. There is no other way. Okay? Philemon was a minister, I do believe. And by the way, if you read the book of Colossians, you will find that this was written at the same time. The book of Colossians was sent to Rome, or written from Rome, Paul in bondage to the Colossians, by Tychius and Onesimus. They brought both these letters. The book of Philemon was written from Rome to Philemon and it was delivered by Onesimus alone whom Paul had sent back to his master. Now, there was a reason. You consider the providence of God as we go through this, and the great love of God. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, and to Philemon, our dearly beloved. 
We love you. You're our brethren. We are kin in the Spirit of God. We have fellowship in Christ. We are above this world. We sojourn here. We're passing through. Someday soon we will stand in glory together and see the Lord Jesus Christ as He is. There's a bond the world can never comprehend. And a love, dearly beloved, and fellow laborer for a Christian in the church is to carry forth the battle against the world and the darkness and evil of it, obeying Christ, walking in the way of Christ, trying to emulate Christ and walk as He walked in this world. While at the same time, it is a battle because Satan persecutes us greatly. I'm coming over the second mountain today, coming to church to worship God in excitement, and evil thoughts come in my mind. That's the Lord forbid. Take these evil thoughts from my vile existence. We must us fight Satan daily. That's the battle we fight. Paul is writing to a fellow laborer, one whom God has quickened. God chose, God quickened, God added daily, God brought into the church a fellow laborer. And Philemon was one who was blessed of God with great love. You know what that tells me? Jesus said, He that loveth Little, and I'm putting this in my words, is forgiven little, but he that loveth much is forgiven much. Let me tell you, I love my Savior. I am forgiven a whole lot because I have a great love by His grace and mercy. My occupation was to fight evil I think in my mind I would stand... Peter thought this too and denied it three times, but in my fleshly mind, I think I would fight to defend the cause of Christ with my hands and anything I could have until my death. And again, Peter thought the same thing, did he not? But we're all flesh. Now make the point of fellow laborers and brethren in the Spirit of God. And to our beloved Aphia, Most people agree that this is the wife of Philemon. And Archippus, some say this was their son, and our fellow soldier. All three of these are fellow soldiers because they're all born of the Spirit of God. They have a church in their house. That tells us they have a home large enough to have a congregation. There. Back in the 90s, it snowed. I had my monthly time at Bethlehem. The roads were frozen and iced. I said, Y'all want to have church? They said, Yes. We cannot get to the church. The road over the Sipsi River is frozen. We're going to meet at Sister Maud's house. She's 90 something years old. There was about 15 of us met in her house. She had a fair-sized house. But it was crowded. Now in the days of the first century church, quite often there were hundreds of people gathered together. I'm telling you that to let you have in mind the shape of Philemon. The money he must have had And according to Paul, the money he must have spent, and I don't care about money, we're not talking about money, we're talking about the love of God in this brother. 
God put that love in him, and he was very charitable to the ministry, to the church, to those in need, to the poor, to all who needed it among the brotherhood, okay? Because he had a great love for them because he was born of the Spirit of God. We're told to love our enemies. In what way? Feed them when they're hungry. Clothe them when they're naked. Give them to drink when they're thirsty. Okay? There's a basic love of humanity that we ought to care for all who are without. If they're hungry. That's why I love giving to a food bank. I don't know who I'm feeding, don't care. But this love is agape love. This love is brotherly love. This love that we're speaking of is an intimacy in Christ and with Christ, a love so deep it could not be comprehended by the world. Okay? They, he says, to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Somebody even thought Archippus was a minister, one of these that I've read. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I believe Philemon was. He's there in Colossae. Is that the right way to say the word? And some the men that we're going to talk about here were also in Colossae. Letters written at the same time, delivered at the same time, one to the church, one to Onesimus. He begins with his normal salutation, grace to you. <laughs> that is the best way to tell someone, I love you. May the unmerited love and favor of God and Jesus Christ be to you. That's, that's the greatest thing in the world. That's the greatest knowledge. That's the greatest feeling. That's the greatest fellowship or the things that come in the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace in the Galatian letter. Love. Faith. Which is spoken of in this book. Grace to you and peace because we have peace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Son of the living God. From grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Father, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our elder brother, the first begotten from the dead. The word that God spoke mentioned last week, through faith we understand the worlds were created by the word of God that is Christ, the word which is made flesh and dwelt among us. He says, this grace and this peace comes from the Father and the Son. And even though He's not mentioned here, it's also containing the Holy Spirit because by Him we have the knowledge. These things are brought into remembrance of Christ and the Godhead. He said, I thank my God making mention of Thee always in my prayers. We find this in several of Paul's epistles. That I thank thee. I thank God for you. I thank God for the church. I thank God for the ministry. I thank God in Corinthians for the gifts of God. From the poor widow sitting in the corner on the back row, and I've seen that so many times in my life, and the gift that God gave her, 
as being weak, she is strong. As being without a husband, she's provided for by the Lord and the church. All the way to the brothers, young and old, to the wives, young and old, who teach the children all the gifts of God that God gave, to the brothers who supply and lead and teach the young men, to the deacons, to the elders of the church, which bring the ministry that God gives. He said, I thank my God for these things. It is our kingdom in the world. It is the church of the living God. We ought to thank God daily. And I fall short so many times. And I remember it and I say, Lord, forgive me for not thanking Thee before now. Today, this day. He said, I thank my God making mention of Thee always in my prayers. Paul prayed for the church daily. We pray for the church daily. Pray for the church as in its entirety. I pray, we pray for the church in this land and we pray for our home church here. And thank God for everyone that attends and everyone that comes and what they mean to us as we live here. Children of God, we have fellowship with in Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus, that's where it begins. Everything we do, everything we feel is from Christ. He reveals Himself unto us and therefore we love Him. And everything that comes from that, a love of brotherhood, a love of the church, a love of the gifts of God, the children of God. Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, from the widow in the back corner to the deacon on the front row to the minister in the stand. All saints, each and every one, young and old. He said, Hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, a love of the church. That's the love that John talks about. In 1 John, he that loveth the church, he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ, he that loveth his wife and family is born of God. That the communication of thy faith, that's not speaking of necessarily preaching the Word alone, that's speaking of your faith, as James said, are manifested by your works. We hear and we know the charity which you have of the church and the poor and the widows and the fatherless, of those who are traveling. We've always tried to be a hospitable people. Those who are traveling, some of the best times I've ever had in my life have been staying with people I've never met before on a church meeting and you'd have thought I was made out of gold the way they treated me. That's a love from God's people. But the communication of thy faith may become effectual that by your showing your faith by your works, it affects other children of God. That your light, Philemon, is shining before other children of God. It's affecting them. They see how you are. They see how God blesses you. 
Whether it's your children, your family, your neighbors, someone in church, someone in the community, and sees that God is in you because the works that you do which you normally feel are not worthy of even being mentioned, bears witness to them that God is in you and Christ therefore is glorified. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. Where did it come from? In Christ Jesus for His purpose, for His glory, His kingdom in the world, His people in the world. For we have great joy. Every Sunday I get down here and I have to force myself to stop smiling long enough to lead singing. It is a joyful place to be in the assembly of the saints to worship God. And I'll tell you this, I don't care what who says, every born again child of God is a saint to God. You are without sin to God. And that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have great joy and consolation. We've got a consolation in Thy love. We know that we live in a world of darkness. You think it's dark here? Look back in the days of Rome and all the sin that was there. Study Roman history and all their vices sometimes. That's human nature. That's where we'd all be without the grace of God. And I'd be the first in line standing to wait on some wickedness, I promise you, because that's my vile nature. But by the grace of God, we are here. And we have great joy in being here, in fellowship with Christ, and consolation. Even though we live in this dark, sinful world, we have a kingdom given to us from God in Christ. Here we have the knowledge of Christ. Here we stand in the grace of God and have the fruits of grace. Joy, consolation. We know this world is going to end. We know all the wicked are going to be cast into the lake of fire. We know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and there will be sin no more. So we've got a consolation. We've got an earnest expectation, a hope that Christ will come and our bodies will be raised up and we will be with Him forever and ever and ever. So we have consolation. It's manifested through you, Brother Philemon. In the love that you have for the church. In the love that you have for the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels, your heart basically, of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Acts chapter 3. Paul talks about the Lord coming to us and we are in a time of refreshing. We're waiting on a time of restitution when man, body, spirit, and soul is restored to the uprightness of God in a new heaven and a new earth. Even better than we were when God created all things. But now we have a time of refreshing. We have consolation. We have a refreshing We're given a drink of water in the desert 
that we don't thirst. We're given food, bread, angel food, manna from heaven, the Word of God preached, that we do not hunger. But when we do hunger and thirst, we're promised when we seek these things, when we have a desire by God's work to seek after godliness in the kingdom of God, we're fed, we're filled, we're given drink. Wherefore, though I might... He's changing text here. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Paul is an apostle building over there in Leeds the apostolic church of Jerusalem. I beg to differ, brother. That's been gone a long time. Uh, the apostles, there were twelve. Paul was a twelve. There were twelve tribes of Israel. There were twelve apostles of the Lamb. That's the four and twenty-four elders who cast their crowns of glory before the Lord Jesus Christ on His throne. My point being, Paul was the twelfth apostle. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul had authority answering to Christ and Christ alone and could have ordered Philemon to do what he's going to tell him to do. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, I could just send you a letter, brother, saying, take this brother back. But this goes back to the feeling of the high and the mighty falling on their face before God and heaven above in love. In love. And God is love. The love of Christ within us. Paul says, yet for love's sake. For the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of the Father. For the sake of the Godhead. For love's sake. You're going to see a picture of us in this. I've said this several times with Barabbas. Barabbas was a malefactor. He was guilty of treason. He robbed. He stole. He killed. That's us. Guilty. That's us in our nature. Guilty before God. But the just, the Lord Jesus Christ, died for the unjust. Every child of God standing on their own merit. You're going to see that here with Onesimus in just a moment. He said, Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, for love of Christ, for love of the church, because that's, that's the gift of the church, this brother Onesimus, I beseech thee, I beg thee for love's sake. Brethren, this is how the church prospers. In the love of God. This little church has always been blessed as long as I've been alive because they have always had a merciful heart. They love the Lord. Therefore, they love the Lord's children. They understand we're all flesh. We're all sinners. And forgiveness is here. Repentance is here. Love. If the church of God, especially the ministry, would love and show love more, the church would be much better off and begin with me because I've got a hard heart too. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the Ages, Acts chapter 8, they laid the clothes, the coat of Stephen at the feet of a young man, Saul. 
Paul was young there. In the Jews' tradition, a man was not old or aged until he was 60 years old. I told Sam Bryant one time, he said he was middle-aged. I said, Sam, it's not a middle age in the Bible. I said, you're either young or you're old. Both of us are old. Oh, but that's the point. Paul is now over 60. Time has transpired. He is actually getting the point of leaving this world before long. This is about A.D. 62 by guess best calculations. And remember, Colossae written also. Yet, for love's sake, I rather beseech thee being such in one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In the love of God, in the love of Paul and Philemon, who had known each other previously, that's made plain by the writing of the epistle, the letter. They knew each other. They love each other. They care for each other. Paul is... You see the brilliance and you see the love and the gentleness, brethren. Gentleness. Kindness. Even as a police officer, you start out being as good as you can to somebody. If you have to change it, change it. But when we deal with brethren of like precious faith, when we deal with brothers and sisters, the gentleness we ought to have, look at the gentleness that God has with us. My doctrine shall drop as the dew. Very gentle. Look at the gentleness Christ had with us. Laid aside the glory of the Godhead or we would have been consumed to come into this world. Gentleness. He says, I'm Paul. I'm the Apostle. I have authority. I'm aged. I'm an old man. I'm in prison. And now also a prisoner. I'm under house arrest. This old Apostle who's faithfully served the Lord. Can you not think about people like that? I close my eyes and I see Robert's death. The gentleness, the humbleness of him. I see Brother Aubrey Justice. I see my grandfather. The love that they had. And I say that because they're what child of God would not try to help this brother who has faithfully served the Lord, is now being persecuted in prison for preaching the gospel, which God sent him forth to do. He makes that point. I beseech thee. For my son, Onesus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Paul is not saying this is my child to the flesh. This is proof to me, along with Colossians chapter 4, that Onesimus is a minister because Paul is his father. Now we know, and that means father in the ministry. I had two. I had Brother Estes and I had Steve Stafferson. And I may very well be older than Steve or about the same age, but he was, when he was living, 
But he was still a father in the ministry to me. Paul is saying, I've begotten him through the gospel. The gospel did not give him life. Christ gave him life in the election of grace at the time it pleased him. Christ gave him life. But under the preaching of the gospel by the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of Paul, who was in prison. Now you think about this too. Paul was locked up. Paul didn't go to him. I'm not nothing against going to people. Don't misunderstand me. I'm making a point. God worked on Onesimus in such a way that he came in to see Paul in his house while he was in prison. God put that desire in this brother for God's purpose. We'll cover that in just a second if I move. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. He's been given life by the Spirit of God. He's been converted through the preaching of the Gospel in the house of Paul while he was imprisoned. Paul is his father in the ministry. Which in time past was to thee unprofitable. The name Onesimus means prophet. Profitable. That was his name. But now, profitable to thee and to me. Onesimus had been with Paul. Colossians proves that. He had served the church with Paul and been a minister to Paul under house arrest. Scripture proves that. But in time past, Onesimus, uh, Philemon, my brother Philemon, whom I love in the flesh, this man was unprofitable to you. He was a slave to you. And he escaped from your house. Gave you no profit at all. He was a criminal in the eye of the law. An escaped slave was to be returned by the law of the land to his rightful honor. God help us. I will not be a slave and there is no way I would enslave another. And the church of God has always held to that. He was time which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is mine own Bible. Now let's see this and take an example. This brother Onesimus was a slave. He escaped from his master, Philemon. He was a reprobate. He robbed the house of Philemon. He took something from his house and he left money. Who knows? The Bible does not say and the Bible is the only truth. This man, oh, don't you ever doubt God. Don't you ever let somebody tell you it's too late. You can't change it. I'm going to tell you something. This man, just like Barabbas, this man, Onesimus, rebelled against his master like we rebelled against God, fled to Colossae, there God moved him. God touched him. God brought him under the sound of the Gospel in the house of Paul. 
God, He had to be born of the Spirit of God in order to have a desire to hear the preaching. God gave Him life. God brought Him to Paul. And through the Spirit blessing Paul to preach, he was converted Two different things. Sometimes they come together, sometimes they're not. Life and conversion. He was converted by the hearing of the Gospel. Paul said, I sent him again. I could take him. I could use him. He's profited me. This is how brethren should be. He's profited me. I I don't even have to tell you he's here. But through the love of Christ, brother, to keep peace, I'm telling you He's here. I'm telling you God has worked to work in Him. He is now a minister. This man who rebelled against God, this man who left you, God has touched, God has given life, God has quickened. He's been converted by the preaching of the Gospel and the Spirit of God. He's now a minister. His heart is touched also because He is desiring to come back to you and set things right with you, Brother Philemon. That's the work of God and that's how we ought to be. That's how we ought to be. We want the church to prosper. We want to prosper in God. It's all about love and love of the brotherhood. Whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead, I've got to move, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me, Paul, in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing. I'll give you an example. Somebody comes up and wants to join the church. This happened down me down in church Perry County. Got a call from a brother out in Texas that oh brother so and so was a member of y'all's church. He wants to join here. But we're not going to take him till we know the situation because he said he was excluded from the church you're at now. I've never heard of it. it. Happened 40 years ago, 30. I asked the church. Foolish reasons. My people that were there, then he was turned out of the church. The church failed their duty. They didn't help him. They just turned him out. Well, now he's in Texas. 30 years later, he wants to join the church. A brother called me because he's not going to do something without the mind of the church here. Working together in love, communicating. And by the way, they took him in and we agreed. But without, without thy mind would I do nothing? That thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. You're not doing this because I told you as an apostle by the authority given me from Jesus Christ to do it. You're doing it because you love Jesus and this is a child of God. You're doing this because you love the church and this is a child of God. You're doing this because you love the ministry and this brother is a minister. You're doing this because you love me and I love you because we're brothers and fellow laborers together in the kingdom of God. We have fellowship in the Lord. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season when he left Philemon that thou shouldest receive him forever. This 
brother who left you reprobate, broke the law and left you, God has now quickened and given life. He is your brother forever here and will be in glory. Is that not reason enough to love Him and forgive Him? Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He left you. God's granted him repentance. He's coming back. He's a minister. He's a brother of the church. You receive him back. You take him back in Colossae. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother. A brother in Christ. Let me tell you, I've known some people in the church of God that had enough money to probably pay off the national debt or at least the debt of the state of Alabama. And they're on the same level playing ground as the poor brother been sitting on the back building houses or digging ditches or whatever he's done all his life and just making enough to buy a couple of pair of britches and eat a meal every day. They're on the same ground. They're in Christ. You receive him back as more than a brother. He's a servant. He's a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more unto thee? Because He's coming back to you. And like the Father with the prodigal Son, you ought to rejoice in it and give the glory to God. How much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner in the ministry, in the service of God, receive Him as myself. You take this brother in as you would take me in if I were there. You love this brother as you love me as I was there. Several years ago, a friend of mine from uh, little, I think Tennessee, Appalachia area, was down around coming home from a church meeting in Tuscaloosa. His vehicle broke down. He called me. Uh, I need some help. Well, I'm an hour away from him easy, so I call a very dear, beloved friend of mine who's a minister that I love very much, Craig Blair. Craig, would you mind sitting with him to keep him safe until I get there? Craig said, I'll do you better than that. And I'm telling you this because I'm bragging on the Lord and Craig. For Craig was his instrument. Craig went and picked him up. He said, I'll take him home with me. Had his vehicle towed somewhere to be fixed. Took him home with him, spent the night, and the very next day this man he'd never met before but was a minister of the Gospel, he gave him his truck to drive back to Mississippi, uh, Tennessee. Brotherly love. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee all, put that on mine account. Lord, can we see Jesus? Our sins, our transgressions, He bore. It was put on His account. He died for our sins. He satisfied the wrath of God in fullness for our sins. It was put on His account. How much should we try 
to love and help and forgive our brethren in any way possible. He says, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand, just saying, I wrote this. You know what I write is true. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. I'll pay it, brother. Even though you are in debt to me, I'll pay it. Yes, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Love this brother. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. How could any person with any compassion refuse this? Some of these theologians say, well, Paul was gifted in this, that, and the other. And let me tell you, we have to remember all scripture. This is scripture is given by inspiration from God. Okay? This is penned of God. It's in the Bible for a purpose. It's in the Scripture, the Holy Writ, for a purpose that we might see and understand the love Christ has for us and the love that we ought to have one to another. Then he says, But with all prepare me also a lodging in the house of Philemon, because Paul was hoping to get to see him, for I trust that through your prayers, back to prayer, back to prayer, what did the Lord tell Ananias? You go down to a street called Straight. There's a man there named Saul. He prayeth. He prayeth. Only a child of God can pray to God in Christ. He prayeth. His heart has been changed. He prayeth. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you because God hears the prayers of the saints. Paul said, I'm going to be released from this bondage. And he was. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't say what happened. It doesn't say whether Onesimus was taken back or Philemon or received him or anything else. (laughs) This shows us the providence of God in life. This shows us the love of God. This shows us God taking one who was reprobate, rebelled against his master, bringing him into life and bestowing upon him the gifts, the gifts, plural, of grace. Of course, he received him back. God does not fail. The love of God is greater than the world and the universe and all creation. And we cannot even see from one end to the other creation. Their salute, greet Epaphras and my fellow soldier in Christ Jesus. You'll find all of these men in Colossians. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. And he closes again the unmerited love and favor of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We have that in the love of God. It's manifested in our love to each other. And then he says, Amen, which means it is so.